Parshas Ve'yakel, Torah relates the construction of the Mishkan. In Parshas Truma Tetzave, we had the commandments regarding the Mishkan, and now in Ve'yakel Pekude, we have the actual narrative of the construction of the Mishkan, collecting all the money, the accounting of all the money in Parshas Pekude, and so on. We discussed a few weeks ago Parshas Truma, the Torah commands Ve'asuli Mikdash, Hashem commands us to build him the sanctuary, the tabernacle, the basic mitzvah we said was included in that mitzvah. At the time, we pointed out that that mitzvah, in the technical sense, in the formal sense of the mitzvah, is limited to the basic mitzvah. There are some midrashic uh, comments that refer to synagogues, but the ikar halacha refers to the basic mitzvah. There are, however, a number of halachas and minhagim that have to do with the construction of shuls, of synagogues, that actually are related to the Beis HaMikdash. They're, they're not all absolute chiyuvim, some of them are Ramazim and so on, but there, are, there actually are numerous halachas and minhagim in the construction and design of shuls that actually are rooted in the halachas, of the, the, the halachas and the description of the Mishkan of the Beis HaMikdash. We'll discuss uh, several of these halachas this evening. There's a Tosefta. Tosefta says... Ein Bonanoso, regarding a shul, we will discuss the first half of the Tosefta a little bit later, but the second half of the Tosefta is, a shul can only be built el begava shalir, the highest point of the city. Shenemar brings a pasuk in Mishle, berosh homios tikra, that the homios means commotion, or shall call out from the, the top of the homios. The, 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 the Tosefta understands, berosh homios, it has to be berosh, it has to be the highest point of the city. Now, the Master Okech on the Rambam wonders how the, how the Tosefta gets from here to a shul. The context of the Pasuk and Mishle is not, is not shuls or tefillah, it's actually Chachma. The previous Pasuk is Chachmos Bachutz Tarona, Baruch Baruchovos Titin Kola, Baruch Sikra. It's referring to Torah, according to the Midrash of Chachma. What does it have to do with shuls? So the Master Kef says, you're right, the Iker Halacha about Gavashel Er really applies to Torah, the study of Torah. A shul is a place for learning Torah also. The shul is not just for davening, a shul is for Torah. So that's why it should be Begavashel Er. According to the Master Kef, it sounds like the Beis Midrash, the Yeshiva, should also be Begavashel Er, maybe even more so than a shul. Nevertheless, the Halacha is brought by all the poskim in the context of shuls, in Shulchan Aruch, in Tur Shulchan Aruch, in Rambam, it's in Helchus Tvila, and the Archa Shulchan says almost exactly the opposite of the Maser Kef. The Archa Shulchan says that in a base midrash, this halacha does not apply. And that's actually the minog, he says. We'll discuss the minog soon, but he says the minog is at a base knesses we make very tall, but not a base midrash. Base midrash can be a lower squat building. Even though the Gemara Megillah says that we paskin that the Kedusha of a base Midrash is greater than the Kedusha of a base Knesses. Nevertheless, the Kedusha objectively is greater. Regarding this halacha of making it higher, making it taller, that is a particular chumrah, a particular halacha unique to base Knesses, because the Rosh doesn't explain entirely, but the base Knesses is for the whole city, it's more universal, the Hargasha nearest Yoser, it has more of, a, of an impact if it's tall. So... So the Archishulchan says, no, this halacha is specific to a Beis HaKnesses, despite the fact that in the general hierarchy of values, Beis Midrash has more Kedusha, 
this halacha is unique to shuls. In any event, that's what the Sefta says. The basic Knesset has to be Begov HaShalir. Gemar and Shabbos. The Gemar and Shabbos approaches the same idea from a different perspective. The Gemar brings a memra, Kol Ir Shagagoseho Gvodi Beis HaKnesses, any city that flouts this halacha and makes its roofs of the residences higher, taller than the shul, L'Sof Chareva, the city will be destroyed. The, the, the Gemara here brings a different pasuk for, this, for the idea that the city should, that the shul should be taller. Brings a pasuk in Ezra. Ezra is thanking the Kodesh Baruch Hu for inspiring the king of Persia to authorize the rebuilding of the temple. He talks about how much Akar Tov we have to Hashem for, for, for giving us the opportunity to raise high the, the house of our God. So, you know, just means it's been raised by the Chorba. Now we can build it up again. The Gemara understands very literally that we have to be Meromimit. We have to raise it higher, as high as can be, higher than the houses. Now again, this Pasuk is talking about the Beis HaMikdash. Ezra, was, Ezra built the second temple. But the, the Gemara is applying it to Shuls. The Gemara takes for granted that even though the Asuli Mikdash might be a narrow tzivoy referring to the, the Mishkan, but Leromimus Beis is applied to Shuls. So we have the Tosefta, we have the Bavli that both say the Shul has to be built on the highest, on the highest point in the city and it has to be, and you can't have houses that are taller than the, that are taller than the, than the shuls. Now, for many hundreds of years, this halacha was widely ignored. We have testimony going back at least 500 years or so that this halacha was often not followed. It's often not followed today. Uh, the shuls we have in town here, a couple of stories tall. We have university towers in the Warwick, you know, 12 stories, 14 stories, whatever, whatever they are, almost 20 stories. So we're, we're not Macbeth uh, to build a shul that's 20 stories high. So why not? How come we don't follow the Salacha? The Gemara says terrible things. If you build, uh, if the houses in the city are, are taller, the, the city will be destroyed. So the Achronim have, have, have offered a variety of justifications. One of them is based on a comment of the Me'iri. The Me'iri says that the idea of the Gemara, the, the Chomer, that, that, that the shul should be higher than the houses, the houses shouldn't be higher than the shul, that means if you build a mansion, if you build a, a, a glorious building uh, that, 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 that exhibits pride and loftiness, and you build that higher than the shul, that's the, the problem. But if you build it for utilitarian purpose, you need uh, fortifications to protect the city from, from invaders, no problem. You're not building grand houses that are meant to be... People build fortifications for a show as well. But Miri says if it has a legitimate utilitarian purpose... It's not included in this prohibition. And even more to the point, he says, if you, if you build it high, not derech srara, not because you want to show grandiosity, but rather because you want to pack in people, you want to build many floors, you want to build apartment buildings, and you want to st- stick in as many people as you can to, to, to use the land efficient, efficiently, that is mutter. So obviously, most of our buildings that we talk about uh, that are tall are because they have many floors and many apartments and so on. Yeah, it's true. People build giant mansions, also, but uh, certainly um, much of the problem would, would be would be alleviated if we accept this meiri. You know, the, the the towers and the Warwick they're not built tall to show off. They're built tall because it's uh, it's economically uh, cost effective to do that. So they that would be a major hatter. Is, is there uh, like a 
order in which houses and schools should be built. Like, what if, like, there's a city or a village where they already built some mansions, right? And then they decide to build a shul there, and they don't need a shul as tall as somebody's mansion. So, so Dr. Makovos is asking, maybe we can find, maybe we can suggest another hetzer that once you build the shul, you shouldn't then go build houses taller than the shul. But if the houses already exist and the shul is is designed to be a certain size, you know, you, you don't have to knock down your house, and there's no mitzvah to build the shul taller than you need it. Maybe so. Maybe that's maybe that's another way to look at it. I don't know. I don't think I saw anyone who says that, but it's an interesting idea. I, I would have to think about it further. So the Meiri. According to Rabbi Yisrael Malamid, says, Achronim bring this Me'iri. I didn't really see it in the Shulchan Aruch and the, the few notes that I looked at. I didn't see anyone bring this. But Rabbi Malamid says, some Achronim rely on this Me'iri and say that that justifies our practice, that we build tall buildings not to show off, but we build tall buildings for efficiency. That's not included in the prohibition. But in any event, as I said, the Rambam, the Shulchan Aruch, the, the, the Nosei Kalim I saw, don't bring any such dispensation. The Rambam brings both halachas, Tosefta and Bavli, both formulations back to back. That's the Pasuk of Barosh Homios Tikra from the Tosefta. And also, it has to be taller than all the Chatzros, the Rambam says. That's the Pasuk in Israel. The Rambam is Basilikainu, the Gemara in Shabbos. Rabbi Yaakov Ibn Chaviv, one of the great early Svardik Achronim, the author of the Ein Yaakov, he addresses the question of why, in his time already, early 16th century, they weren't machped on this. And he, ha- he offers, in two different places, two different, con- two different suggestions for why, for why we, don't, uh, we don't do this. His first one, which is brought by some of the later postgame as well, is that this applies in a city that is entirely Jewish. But we, he says, we live among the non-Jews, and there are relatively few of us. So it's better, he says, to keep a low profile. The Jews and Gullus, we have to keep a low profile. As Yaakov Avinu said, Lama Tisro, he told his sons, don't, uh, don't make a spectacle of yourselves. When everyone is starving, don't show off that we have lots of money. Go down to Mitzrayim like everyone else is doing. So there's a principle that, that Jews are not supposed to uh, show off and draw attention to themselves. Better, he says, Vinashpil Batenu, we should lower our houses, Biyoser. By, by doing that, we'll, uh, that, that's the best suggestion for navigating our uh, fraught relationships with the non-Jews and the, and the and Akash Baruch at the same time. Akash Baruch will understand why we're doing it. And the, that's what he recommends. That's what he recommends that we do. The, elsewhere he says, another, he gives another explanation. There's the Gemara in Megillah. The Gemara in Megillah says, the Gemara is discussing with, whether you can sell a shul, whether it loses its kedusha if you sell the shul. So the Gemara says, Harachov, the city square has no kedusha, ain't vomishum kedusha, and the money, if they sell it, can be used for any purpose. It doesn't have any special kedusha. Why? The Gemara says, even though they daven there, one, r- r- one tana holds because they daven there, it has kedusha. The Rabbanans say that's akrai ba'alma. That's irregular, that it's not a purpose-built shul, even if they sometimes use it for prayer, so it doesn't have the kedusha in this context. Says Rabbi Yaakov ibn Chaviv, our shuls that uh, here in Turkey, he says, where we daven, they fall into the same category because it's akrai ba'alma. He says, Every, everywhere that we live, everywhere that we operate is all akrai ba'alma. 
the, 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 the Turks and the Ottoman Empire, they didn't really let the Jews have uh, permanent land ownership. Everywhere the Jews lived was at their pleasure, at, for, at their uh, sufferance and forbearance. Therefore, he says, everything is Akroi Ba'alma, and has no Kedusha, and the halacha of making it taller than the houses, not making the houses taller than it, does not apply, because that only applies to a stable, permanent, purpose-built base of Knesses, but uh, our shuls, he says, we, 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 can't, we, can't, we can't make any permanent shuls. We, we can't even establish a permanent shul in a pre-existing building. We certainly can't build a building for a shul, he says. And we, uh, we, we have to hide, we have to daven, uh, we have to sneak when we daven, and daven surreptitiously. The kolala yishama, we have to avoid raising our voices, although because uh, we'll be in danger. So in such cases, he says, uh, in such cases, he says, the, the halacha of uh, the halacha of not uh, not building higher than the shul doesn't it doesn't it doesn't apply. So he gives these two reasons. His first reason is that we have a general attitude of not wanting to antagonize the non-Jews. That lamatisro that that, that it's, it's appropriate for us to keep a low profile. In this context, he says it all has the status of akroy. That uh, nothing we do has the status of a permanent, uh, well-established basic knesses. So because of these two reasons, he says the halacha does not apply. The Ramah in Shulchan Aruch also the Mechaber, Mechaber just brings the halacha that, that you have to build uh, you can't build houses taller than the shul. And he says the Ramah says b'shas chak or emas hamalchus where it's difficult or because they're, they're afraid of the government they're not allowed to build shuls. Then mutter l'spal v'vayisaf b'shadarin b'ali al gavav etc. Then some of these halachas can be relaxed a little bit if the if there's emas hamalchus if we're afraid then it's difficult. So that's why these halachas don't have to be as uh, don't have to be followed quite so strictly. The Knesset Dola says that where he lived also a century later, 17th century, they used to build houses taller than the shuls. He doesn't really know what they rely on. So there is a sheet in the Rishonim that is lenient with roofs that you don't use. Uh, slanted roofs, like we have, the roof is not a problem because nobody lives on the roof. Nobody uses the roof. The way some posts can put it, we don't want people sitting around on their roofs, uh, hanging around and looking down at the shul. That's not respectful to the shul. Nobody lives on the roof, so the roof is not a problem. The car would still be a problem. The, the, the higher stories in the building, people do live there. That would be a problem. But, uh, but even in Tam, the Kansi Dulla says, only allowed roofs that are not used. But we have flat roofs, he says, in Turkey. So what do we sell, Mechan? We use our roofs. So what's the hetter? He says you have the Rabbi Yaakov ibn Chaviv. You have the, the idea that it's uh, you have the idea that it that, that, that it's bakrai that everything we do is we don't really have permission to build shuls and it's all it's all temporary and fly by night. However, says the says the Knesset Gdola, but he saw earlier other Akharim said that applied back then and where they really had so little uh, so little freedom they couldn't build real shuls. But our shuls, the, the Marie Ben Lev says, Marie Halevi says, our shuls, the Melech gives us permission, we have, uh, everything is done properly, with, uh, in, with, with all the forms are satisfied, he says. Then that's, that's a perfectly good shul, he says. And our shuls, Knesset Dola says, in his time as well, in the mid to late 17th century, uh, we have permission from the king, we, we have authority from the king, so we would have the status of a real shul. So, uh, so, why, uh, so, so, so why, why don't we follow the halacha? So he says the only solution is going back to the other point of Rabbi Akiva Mechaviv that we are afraid uh, we're afraid to, to to raise our heads above the ground we're afraid to draw the attention of the non-Jews who are anti-Semites I guess 
lifsros b'pnei ha'umos engines the amor. So he says we don't have to worry about this. So you know, we, we 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 feel constrained again by the gayim, and therefore we don't uh, we can't afford to do this. Magen Avram on the Shulchan Aruch also asks the same question. Sarachian, why don't we follow this? He also brings the the, the thing about Ema, We're afraid of the, the non Jews, so we don't have we, we we can't afford to build the shuls that high. Then he says Magen Avram says, okay, this is I guess gets uh, a little bit to what Dr. Makavos was saying. Let's at least make the houses lower then. If we can't afford to make the shul too high, let's at least make our houses lower than the shul. Says Magen Avram, you don't have to, because since anyway the non-Jewish houses are taller than the shul. So anyway, he says, the shul won't be the tallest building, so once it's not the tallest building, it doesn't matter if our houses are taller or not, since anyway the shul won't be the tallest building. But all this, Magen Avram says, all this is dochek, all this is what you have to say, lidchok liyashif haminag. All this is, you know, there, there's an imperative postkim have to try to justify him and hug him. But it's not, apparently, it's not really a solid heter, Ken Kasbik Dola. At the end of the day, the question is better than the answer, and the postkim are acknowledging that it's a real halacha and it should be followed if at all possible. And now we come to the Mishnah Brewer. The Mishnah Brewer brings Yesh as he says, there are some places that are not meticulous that, that don't follow this halacha. The Achronim say, since anyway the non Jewish houses are taller, and I guess we, we can't make our house, we can't make our, the shul higher, and we don't have to make our houses lower. He brings the Magen Avram. He says, however, the Mishnah Brewer says, Mikal Makam Roy Lechatchila Lizar Bazeh Bechal Efsher. The Mishnah Brewer strongly encourages you to try to observe this as, as much as you can. Because the Gemara is very strict about this. The Gemara Hechmirum Odalzeh. The Gemara says that the city was destroyed. Cities were destroyed because they didn't observe this halacha. So it's a very serious matter. So the. Uh, again, I'm not sure if Mishnah Brewer means he's actually warning you for your own good to observe this so that your city shouldn't be destroyed, or he just means you see how seriously the Gemara took this because the Gemara warns you that cities are destroyed. Either way, the Mishnah Brewer says a person really should be machmer about this. Not entirely clear if Mishnah Brewer means you should be machmer even if you can't build the shul high, you should still try to build the houses low, or he means you really should try to build the shul higher. But either way, the from the from Rabbi Yaakov ibn Chaviv all the way down to the Mishnah Brura, none of these major achronim have a really satisfying hetter. The best hetter seems to be it's just too hard. We're too scared. It's too uh, it's too it's too dangerous to antagonize the non-Jews. So, uh, but that's the best they can do. Again, Rabbi Malamid says we rely on the Meiri. Other achronim give other svaras. But at the end of the day, it's a classic example of a halacha, which is a clear-cut halacha, the Sefta and the Bavli is widely ignored, and there isn't a wholly satisfying reason for why, why we do that. So, to the extent that one can, the postkim seems to say one should try to observe this halach. Now, in the same Tosefta that says, the beginning of the Tosefta says, We only, the openings of shuls, the entrances of shuls, should be only in the east. Why the east? Because that's where the entrance to the Mishkan was. Shepazuach al-Mizra. How do we know that? Brings the Pasuk in Bamidbar. Ba'achon l'fnei ha-Mishkan. Kedma l'fnei ha-Noid Mizracha. Those of the Jewish people who, who encamped uh, in front of the Mishkan. What direction is in front? On the east. L'fnei ha-Noid Mizracha. So the front of the Mishkan is the east. The Mishkan obviously was portable. They carried it around. They could have, in theory, set it up in any direction they wanted. But apparently this was the standard orientation of the Mishkan, it faced the east. Therefore, the Tosefta says, we learn a halacha from that, we learn that a, the entrance to a shul must be on the east. 
Now, curiously enough, despite the fact that the Tosefta, you'd think it couldn't possibly be, be any clearer than that, it must be on the east, Poskim actually wind up interpreting it to mean exactly the opposite, that it should be on the west. How do we get from east to west? So the Rishonim say, the Rush says, this halacha, that the entrance should be on the east, that is in the time of Chazal, they lived in Bavel, and they used to face west, as we learned in Brachos, that we discussed this in a previous share. The Gemara says that, that, that wherever a person is, he should turn toward Eretz Yisrael, turn toward Yerushalayim. So in Bavel, they used to face west. So if they face west, then, then, they, then the entrance should be on the east. Abel Anu, the Rush says, we live in Europe, in western Europe. We bow down, when we pray, we bow down to the east. Our Kodesh is on the east. Doesn't say where you do build the entrance, but he says we don't build the entrance on the east. The Torah says the same thing. Tosefta says, put it on the east because of the Hechel. Tosefta says, in their day, in our day, we face east. We don't build the door on the east. Where do we build the door? Beis Yosef brings the Hagos Hemonios, who says... Ein Poskin, the Tosefta says, build it on the east. Tosefta says that when you enter the shul, you should bow down toward the Aron Kodesh, which is in the west. We, we face east when we daven. We should put the entrance to the west. Depending on, depending on what direction the shul faces, you should always put the, the Aron Kodesh, the front of the shul, should always be toward Eretz Yisrael, and the door should be opposite the Aron Kodesh. And this is how the Shulchan Aruch Paskins, this is how the later Poskin Paskin, despite the fact that the Tosefta says that you should put the door in the east, that's only referring to someone who, is, who, who lives to the east of Eretz Yisrael, and his shul faces west, and then the door should be in the east, opposite the Aron Kodesh in the west. But if, in the opposite case, we live to the west of Eretz Yisrael, we face east when we daven, the Aron Kodesh is in the east, then the entrance to the shul should be in the West. Now, the Chassam Sofer has a long tube on this, and he is not entirely convinced. He wants to learn the Tosefta Kipshuto, that East really means East. He points out, among other things, that the, the Shita of Tosfus and the Rush and the Tur and the Shulchan Aruch, that East is because they used to face West. He says, really, they used to face West? Who used to face West? He says, yes, in, the, in Talmud Bavli, written in Bavel, yes, they face West. Tosefta, Tosefta wasn't written in Bavel. Tosefta was written in Eretz Yisrael. Eretz Yisrael, they don't face west. If they, if they, if they live to the west of Yerushalayim, they face east. If they live to the north of Yerushalayim, they face south. If they live to the south of Yerushalayim, they face north. Why would a Tosefta written in Eretz Yisrael have just made the default assumption that the shul is east of, east of, east of Yerushalayim? What, what sense does that make? Anyway, after all his Pilpulim, he's going to die from Rashi, that he didn't learn like the other Rishonim. After all his Pilpulim, he concedes that the Mesaris HaHalacha is like the Rosh and Tosa say, that it is the Tosefta is only speaking about shuls to the east of Eretz Yisrael, to the west of Eretz Yisrael, you should put the entrance to the west. LaHalacha, he concedes to the, to the Rishonim, to the, to the tradition, that a shul that faces east, the door should be in the west. However, he adds that this Halacha refers to the, refers to the door to the inner sanctuary, to the shul proper, the shul itself, this does not refer to the doors that, that open into lobbies and antechambers and other rooms, he says. Those doors, you, there's more flexibility. Limar doesn't talk about those doors. Moreover, he says, his correspondent mentions, and he agrees to a certain extent, that the Muslims had a custom, he says, that they would make all the doors to their mosques would be all parallel. They would all uh, line up, 
all the way in. And he says, we shouldn't do that. Now the Chesam Shafer says it's true that in the base of Mikdash there, there, there were doors to the Heichel and the Azar that all lined up. And there is a rule that we don't have to worry about copying the non-Jews if Aramin had preceded the non-Jews. Nevertheless, he says, to go out of your way, the, in the Chesam Shafer's case, the shul was under construction, renovation, and there was a debate about how to do it, and some people Dafka wanted to make all the doors line up, and some people didn't, he says. Definitely to make an issue of it, to Dafka insist on doing it in a way that the non-Jews do it, that's not something you should do. So the Chesam Shafer says the Salacha does not apply to the outer doors of the shul. But the inner doors, it's the halacha psuka that they, that they should face the Aron Kodesh, which is generally facing Eretz Yisrael. It's supposed to be facing Eretz Yisrael. Now, I don't know why not all shuls do this. I was running through the shuls in town here. So, Shomrei, the, the, the main sanctuary, does, has a few doors. It has doors in the front and the side as well, but the main door is indeed in the back. I'm not sure if Shomrei actually faces east of the Aron Kodesh or not, but, but the doors do... The doors are, uh, are the doors are the opposite side of the Aron Kodesh. The KMS is similar. The, the main sanctuary, the, the main doors are in the back of the shul. Southeast is not. Southeast, the main shul, the, the main doors are on the left side of the shul toward the back. You can go in through the, through the social hall in the back also, but the, the social hall itself uh, has different doors off to the side as well. So I'm not sure. I'm not sure some shuls do it. My family shul in Brooklyn, or Israel Reisman's Aguda, the, the shul again has several doors, but, but the main doors are on the sides of the shul, not, not in the back of the shul. So I'm not really sure why this halacha is not always followed. I assume it has to do with uh, demands of the architecture, but the, this is a halacha. It's brought in Shulchan Aruch, it's brought by all the poskim. Mr. Brewer doesn't contest it that the doors of the shul, at least the doors of the main sanctuary, should be opposite the, should be opposite the doors of the of the Hechel. The Chassam Sofer actually connects, I mentioned the Chassam Sofer says this doesn't apply to, this does not apply to the, the, the outer doors to the shul that don't open directly into the sanctuary, and he brings the Pasuk about the base of Mikdash, and this week's Aftar, I think, that talks about people would come in from the north door or would come in from the south door. The base of Mikdash itself had doors for, for people coming in and out that were not directly to the east and west, but the door to the, the inner door to the Azar itself was in, the, I guess, was, in, was, was on the east, People let people entered the toward the hechel. They entered in a door that was opposite the opposite the hechel. There is a so far we've been discussing the so far we've been discussing the positive that uh, that that certain ways in which you should make a shul. You should make the you should make the shul higher than other buildings. You should or at least not lower than other buildings. You should make the door opposite the Aron Kodesh. There's a discussion in some poskim about whether a shul has any particular shape that it has to be, whether, whether there's any, uh, any particular rule about what shape a shul has to be. So the Rambam, the Rambam doesn't discuss the shape of a shul, but the Rambam has a general halacha. He says, you're not allowed to follow in the chukos ha'akum, you're not allowed to follow in the ways, the, or- the ordinances of the idol worshippers. gives numerous examples. One of his examples is, the lo yivnem akomos kevinyan hechalo shalakum, you're not allowed to build places, buildings, st- styled after the halls of the idol worshippers, Hechalo Shalakum, in order that many people can enter them, Kamosha Hainosim, the way they do. A somewhat obscure passage in the Rambam, you're not allowed to build buildings, Hechalos, like idol worshippers' halls, so many people can go in. You're not allowed to build skyscrapers, you're not allowed to build warehouses, you're not allowed to build factories, you're not allowed to build large mansions. You know, what are exactly our Hechalos? What is the prohibition here exactly? 
Ravid doesn't understand. The Ravid says, What is this prohibition? If it means you should, does it mean you shouldn't put idolatrous symbols like, like sons or uh, things that have to do with idolatry? But he doesn't know what the Ramadan wants. You know, what is wrong with uh, building a building? You know, architecture is, uh, what is wrong? The same way we wear pants and shirts like the non Jews do. What exactly is wrong with building Hechalos uh, like the non Jews do? Now, we'll return to Pshan of the Ramah momentarily, but there's a chuva in the Nod Behuda. Nod Behuda was asked, they were thinking of building a shul in the shape of an octagon. Betunas, Shmonet Slos, and Shmonet obvious. Eight size, eight vertices, eight... Uh, are you allowed to do that? Or do you need a square or a rectangle? Do you need a quadrilateral, he says? And do you have to have uh, four corners, and Arko Yasrael Rachbo, and the length should be longer than the width? Should it have to be a rectangle, he says? Says in Ode to Yehuda, I am baffled by this question. What on earth is going through your mind? He says, Ma'alal dato lesser. Why do you think there should be any reason, any halacha, about how to build a shul? Doesn't say anything in Shulchan Aruch about this. And in Rishonim, Shnei Talmudim, Lorinu Koltmuna, there's no description of the architectural plan of a shul. This is classic Ode to Yehuda. Ode Yehuda had no patience for things that are not in the Gemara. He would frequently lament when he was asked questions about Rabbi Yehuda Chassid or things that are minhagim that are not on the Gemara, he would throw up his hands and say, how am I supposed to discuss things that are not on the Gemara, that, that, that's where all our halacha comes from. So he, he, he doesn't like this question, you know, what are you bothering me? He says, well, why do you think there's any rule for the shape of a shul? However, he says, that's all al-pi halacha, al-minadim. However, he says, I'm a little suspicious. Why are you doing such a bizarre thing of building a shul in the shape of an octagon? I suspect, he says that you're trying to copy the fashions of the non-Jews. I suspect that you saw the Hechalei Hasarim, the halls of the, the, the aristocracy, or other uh, fancy buildings, and you want to copy them, and that you shouldn't do. He doesn't say, like the Rambam says, because it's Chukus HaGayim, he doesn't say it's a serious Isser of Chukusayim Lotelechu. He says more like Rabbi Yaakov Chaviv says, that in Golos he says, we, we don't need to be jealous and to always be chasing the the fashions of the Gentile aristocrats, he says, if that's why you're doing it, because you want to, you want to keep up with the Joneses, you want, to, you want to have the latest and greatest in architectural fashions, then, I, then he says, I do not approve. Again, he doesn't call it Chukas but he says, he brings a different pasuk, Bayishkach Yisrael, Oseyu, Oseyu, even Hechalos, the Jews forgot a Kodesh Baruch when they build palaces, he says. Therefore, he says, my recommendation is, Tov HaDavr, Shlo Lechadesh Davramin, Hagem don't change the old customs of building normal modest uh, quadrilateral shuls, certainly in our generation, he says. But if it's for a practical reason, he says, because it fits the space better, you'll have more room like that, he says. There's nothing wrong. Now, I don't know exactly what he had in mind about the octagons. Again, he doesn't accuse them of any element of a desire or He just says, you shouldn't be chasing the architectural styles. There is a tshuva, however, of the There's Not a tshuva, but there is a discussion of the maritzchayas. Maritzchayah says that there were certain people who wanted to build shuls, houses, shuls of uh, eight sides, octagons, and he says kolshkein, four sides, which are in the fashion of the hechalei hagayim, the halls of the gayim, and he is even stricter. He says, first he brings the Yudas pasuk, vayishkach Yisrael oseyu even hechalos, and certainly he says, if you build buildings in the styles of the of the Hechalei Akum, it's a lav shaltara, the chukosayim lo Like the Rambam says, you can't build buildings like the Hechalos or the Gayim. So I don't know exactly what he means about Shmonet Slos, 
There are certain cathedrals that are octagons, the city called Achen, A-A-C-H-E-N, people showed me, and earlier cathedrals that were built like octagons. I'm not sure what he means by Kolshkein Ba'arbatslo, certainly four, certainly four sides. You can't build a square or rectangular shul. I mean, many shuls, most shuls are rectangu- rectangles or squares. I don't know, maybe not most, but it's a, certainly a pretty common plan. So I don't know exactly what he means, but he does feel that if you try to copy the non-Jews in your architecture, he says, I don't even know if he's talking about shuls, he's talking... I don't even know if he's talking about shuls or talking about uh, talking about uh, buildings in general. He says it's a, not only is it v'yishkak Yisrael oseu v'ibn hechalos, it also violates v'kuk oseim lo telechu, and it's a uh, it's a terrible thing. Furthermore, he goes on. He says those who use a bell, who use a bell to gather people for davening, they ring a bell to announce that it's time for davening, and everyone should gather for davening. He read in the newspapers, he says, that uh, the Jewish papers, that some communities have, start, have started to do that. In Germany, he says, they violate a lav shaltara, the lav of Bukhusam Lotelechu. Find some other way of gathering people, he says, but it's a lav daraisa, for Lokin Alzem. You get Malchus for doing such a thing. Now, in the Sefer Krachshel Romi, Rabbi Shalom Moshe Chazan, a little bit later than Maritzchayas, he has a celebrated tshuva, the first tshuva in the Sefer, a very long tshuva, about 10 pages. He has, a, he has a celebrated tshuva. It, it, he starts off, it starts off in a very humorous vein. He says, there was a certain community where people were coming late to shul. So we said, maybe they don't really know what time shul is. They, they, they can't keep track. So they printed out announcements like we do today where they distributed it to everyone. And surprise, people were still not coming on time to shul. So they said, maybe they don't know what time it is during the day. They didn't all have their cell phones with them everywhere they went. So they decided they would build a, they would build a clock tower in the shul. And then they decided they would put a bell in the clock tower and ring the hours. And then people started to say, wait a second, that sounds very churchy. That, that's what the Goyim do. They, they put towers with clocks and bells even. So, so that sounds like Kukas Goyim. So there was a great debate about whether that was mutter or not. So the Krakshal Romi ruled unequivocally that it's mutter. And he spent a long tshuva, a ten-page tshuva or so, arguing that it's mutter. And his basic argument was that he develops at great length the principle that Chukas Agayim is only, based on Rishonim, Chukas Agayim is only, only applies to customs of the Goyim that are either superstitious, that have no rational basis, and we suspect them of having pagan or uh, nefarious roots, or Minhagim that are immoral, Minhagim that, that involve pretzus, immodesty, or ostentation, that, 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 that they're, they're showy and vulgar and and you know, immodest, whether in feminine modesty or just immodest in terms of hatzneh uh, leches, that that are fundamentally un-Jewish in some way or another. But ordinary styles and customs of the non-Jews, there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with copying a style that is an innocent and rational style. So, and he gives many examples of this. And the bell he fails is a, is a classic example of this. Not like Maritzchayis who says a bell is huksagayim. He says, what's wrong with a bell? A bell is simply a uh, a very logical way of publicizing that it's time for davening, or what tell, announcing the time and publicizing that it's time for davening. What's wrong with a bell? It's a very logical thing to do. And in the course of his tshuva, he discusses the, the shape of the shul as well. And he says, he discusses the Rambam at great length. What does the Rambam mean when he says you can't build Kabinina Chalashal Gayim of the Avodizara? He says that, that that's certainly not what it means. He says, uh, he says, if, if the, if you, even if you learn the Raman Kipshuto, that it means that the that, that it means that the 
that you're building a building exactly like the like, like the like the building of the of the of the Vodizara. He says that there's nothing wrong with that. He says in general, if they build a beautiful cathedral that's inspiring, that's majestic, it uh, it, it, it evokes uh, feelings of awe and of uh, of humility in people, he says, that, that's fine. He says, well, we're human beings too. We also want to serve our God. And to the Roman Knesia Seinu, we want to, like, the, like, we want to exalt our temples as well, like they do, he says. If they, if they figured out uh, appropriate styles of architecture, what's wrong with copying them? There's nothing Christian about their church. If, assuming there's nothing Christian about it, assuming it's just a question of religiously neutral architecture, why shouldn't we copy it as well, he says. So if you learn the Raman Kipshuto that he means you shouldn't copy the Goyim about buildings, he says, then you have to say that uh, it's not just you're copying the style because, because you find it, uh, because you find it uh, appealing, because you find it to be a good style. He says that it has to mean that there's something idolatrous about it. Like we said, like, like the rabbit suggests, like other, like Cochranum suggests, like, you, like if you build a building with, with 365 windows that's a uh, reference to the sun, because they worship the sun, or you build, uh, or you build things that are symbolic of different types of idol worship. That's what the Rambam maybe, maybe is talking about. But an innocent building, he says, that an innocent building which is religiously neutral, that has no no uh, no sense of a desire, nothing wrong with that. But the truth is, he says, what the Rambam really means by, by saying that you shouldn't build, you shouldn't build he says avodazara is that you shouldn't build buildings whose purpose is inherently something vulgar and inappropriate. He gives examples of the old Greek amphitheaters where they have immodest entertainment. He says, even today, he says, you know, there are women who dance there and they dance, uh, he heard, he says, they, uh, the women dance uh, nearly naked and uh, th- th- these types of buildings are designed for vulgar and immodest spectacle, he says. So a building that's designed for illegitimate purposes, that's the kind of building you're not allowed to build. That's the principle of the Marik, that's the principle of the early postkim, that you're not allowed to imitate the Goyim in ways, with, in things, in styles that are inherently immodest. But if they build a beautiful cathedral, a beautiful house of worship, nothing wrong with copying that. And, and the opposite of the Maritzchayas, Maritzchayas is worried about even building uh, eight, eight walls or four walls is, is, is coming too close. Again, four walls, eight walls might have something to do with the, with the cross or something like that. Then even, even the Krakshalromi might agree, but in general, the Krakshalromi is much more lenient about this with the bell and so on. He thinks there's nothing wrong with copying the Menhagim of the non-Jews, as long as it is religiously neutral, even if it's something they do as part of their religion, he says, as long as it's something which is not inherently linked to their specific religion, as long as it's just a universal religious thing, that is fine. And perhaps the most famous part of the tshuva, the most notorious and controversial part of the tshuva, is he says that the, in Smyrna, Smyrna was a, city, a great city, Izmir, a great city of Sephardic Jewry, of Chachamim, he says the Chazanim in Smyrna, with the blessing of the Rabbanim, the Chazanim in Smyrna would enter into the cathedrals behind a pargod, behind some kind of mechitza, he says, and they would listen to the church music, and they would then go and incorporate that music into their tfilos and kaddish for the Yom Noraim, because the church music is so beautifully designed to evoke religious emotions of hachna and, and all, the, all the religious emotions of subservience and humility. It's beautifully designed to do that. So it's church music. He says, so what? It's not, it's not, it's not Christian music. It's, mu- it's music that, that speaks to, to certain universal human emotions, he says. So there's nothing wrong with that. So certainly the building, you can copy the building of the church because we're, we're human beings too, he says. 
and we, 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 we feel the same, we react emotionally the same way as non-Jews do. Uh, certainly the part about the music, he came in for a great deal of criticism. Tzitzeliezer has a fiery tshuva denouncing uh, this attitude. But in any event, that's what he says. He doesn't see why there's any reason why, why you can't copy the non-Jewish, why the non-Jewish buildings. While the Maritzchaya says it's a problem with Chuk sometimes. And Yehuda says he doesn't think there's any actual halacha about how to build a shul. But uh, if you're copying the fashions of the non-Jews, he thinks that that is not a good policy for Jews in Gullus. Now, some contemporary writers have suggested, no, to Behuda says that there's no reason whatsoever why a shul has to be a quadrilateral. An octagon is perfectly fine as long as you're not doing it for bad reasons. Some contemporary writers have suggested, as we've been discussing, many halachas of shuls, as per the Tosefta and other sources, are actually learned from the Beit HaMikdash, from the Mishkan. So perhaps the, the, there should be a halacha that a minhag of the shul should be a rectangle like the Mishkan. That, that's perhaps what the Nod Behuda's correspondent meant when he says, Arko Yisrael Rachpo, it should be a rectangle, like the Mishkan, like the Mikdash. On the other hand, how far do you want to take that? Maybe the dimensions should be the same dimensions as the base of Mikdash. It should be 30 amas tall, and so on. Maybe it should be made of gold. Maybe it should be... Uh, where do you draw the line? You know, so the Tosefta does say we learn certain aspects of the construction from the, from the Mishkan, but the, from the Mikdash, but the Mishkan. But the Nod Behuda thinks that there's no reason to assume that the shape... There's no source in Chazal for such a thing. The shape has to resemble the shape of the Mishkan, and therefore he dismisses out of hand the idea that there would be any halacha about the, about the shape of the, of the shul. One last halacha, which is also connected to a... Uh, also connect, which is also connected to the Beis HaMikdash. The Rambam says that you put the bima in the middle of the shul. What is the bima? So it is not entirely clear. The, in, in the next sentence, the Rambam refers to the teva, the teva that contains the Sefer Torah. Not clear if that's the Aron Kodesh, or we call the Bima, where the, where the, where, where the, the, the Rambam says the teva should be positioned, the Torah is inside it, and you put it in the middle, and the back of the teva is to the front of the shul, and the front of the teva is to the people, Previously, he says the bima shvi So the Kesmishna has a long piece where he tries to figure out what exactly is the what exactly is the bima, what exactly is the teva. So, so, but, but in any event, the Rambam does say that the bima should be beemtsa of the shul, and wh- why should it be beemtsa? What is the reason for that? So the Rambam says The person who reads the Torah can mount to the bima. Oh, miyashari omer laam kibushin. Or the preacher, the, the, the rabbi, saying a sermon, trying to move the people spiritually. So everyone should hear. The bima is the place where the Torah is read. The bima is the place that the speaker speaks from. So that it should be be'emsa for the very practical and pragmatic reason that to maximize the acoustic, so everyone should be able to hear what these people are reading and saying. Now the Chasim Sofer has a famous tshuva on bima be'emsa. He gives some um, uh, loftier reasons. He has this elaborate discussion of how the, of how the bima and the shul is parallel, to, is, is, is represents them as bath, because you read the parashiyas of Karbanas on it, and you go around it with, uh, on, on, on Hakafas, on, on Hashanah Rabbah, and on Circus, like they went around them as bath. It's, uh, the, 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 the symbolism seems a little bit forced, but this is what the Chesim Sofer says. It's not just a pragmatic concern for, the, for acoustics. 
The Akronim point out that according to the Rambam, that the reason is simply acoustics, if the shul is small enough, if the acoustics are good enough, that it doesn't matter where they put, where the, where they hear the, where they put the bima, people will hear anyway. So the Kesmishna says, that's okay. And he says that that's why he says, he says that, he says that uh, today he says, we're, uh, when, today we're not mocking on this, he says, today we put the bima off to the side. He says the reason is because it's not a chiyuv, he says. It's, it, it's a situational concern that everyone should be able to hear. In those days, the shuls were very big, and they wouldn't hear unless they put it in the middle. But his manazeh, he says, unfortunately, our shuls are much smaller. Everyone can hear wherever you put the bima, he says. Then it's, 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 uh, it's more attractive for the shul to put the bima on the side. So the chassam sofer says, okay, that's if you follow the, the reason of the acoustics. But there are other reasons, he says. And even according to the Kesem Mishnah, he says, it's the, once the bima was put in a certain place, you're not allowed to move it. And then the Chesim Sofer invokes his most famous maxim, his famous aphorism, Chadash Asimur Natara B'chal Makam. It's a play on words. In, in, the, in the original, literal sense, it means Chadash, the new grain, is Asimur Natara, is biblically prohibited. The Lechem, the Kali, the Lo Sochelu, you're not allowed to eat new grain until the carbon omer is brought, or Bismanazah, until the second day of Pesach. Some posts can say it's not Aster B'chal Makam, it's Mutter and Chutzlarit. Some say it's Midrabanan and Chutzlarit. We have all kinds of Materim for people who are not particular, about, not meticulous about Yashin today. But the, the Chesim Sofer had a famous play on words. He wrote Chadash Asmer innovation, anything new, any changes to the traditional Minhagim is Aster Minatara B'chal Makam. The Chesim Sofer, of course, was writing this in the context of the struggle against the Reform. The Reform were trying to change Minhagim. Some of their innovations were relatively innocent, like moving the bima, but that was the, the nose of the camel under the tent. The Chesim Sofer understood that it was, the, it was one step along a road that would lead to very bad places. So the Chesim Sofer, he came up with all these reasons why bima should be bamsa and so on. But the bottom line is, he was also, obviously, clearly he was upset also because he felt it was a, uh, a battlefield in the struggle against the reform. And he said, You can't move the bima. Ramosha Feinstein has a couple of chuvas about bima bamsa. He points out certain weaknesses in the Chesim Sofer and uh, discusses the Chesim Mishnah, he says. That, uh, but it is a halacha, he says. You, you, do have to, uh, you do have to follow the halacha. But he says, he says a famous kula, he says that since, um, since he says, according to the Chesim Sofer, even according to the Chesim Sofer, it, it doesn't have to be exactly in the middle. It, one, the reason that he finds more compelling is the reason of the hakafas. We can go around it, we can, we can do the, the, the walking around the bima and circus and Hashanah Rabbah. So that, he says, it's enough that, that it's, moved, it's moved back from the Aron Kodesh, enough that you, people can get around and do a hakafa around it. It doesn't have to be in the middle of the shul doesn't have to be in the middle of the shul, uh, literally, he says, but to move it all the way up against the Aron Kodesh, at least according to the Chesim Sofer, that would be awesome. He has a second tshuva, though, where someone told Ramosha that in Hungary they used to prohibit davening in a shul that didn't have bima bamsa. Says Ramosha, that is not correct, la halacha. As a matter of actual halacha, that would not be correct. Yes, it's true there's a halacha to do bima bamsa, it's true that a shul that does not do that is in violation, and it's the wrong thing to do, and it should be corrected, he says. However, that would not be a reason. It, it, that's not central enough to the, to the fundamental nature of a shul to say that, you shouldn't, that, that it's so badly configured that you shouldn't daven in such a shul. If it's true, he says, that in Hungary they prohibited davening in such shuls, he's not convinced that it's true. 
he says that uh, if it's true, he says, then you have to say it's a, it was a harasha. It was clearly in the context of the battle against the reform. The Gedolim of that time understood what this represented, and they, they fought bitterly against it because of the time and the place. But it's not an objective halacha, and like today, he says, where, where, not, where it doesn't have the same meaning that it once had. He says, today, if people do it, it's just for convenience. It's not because they want to imitate the, the Gaim and they want to assimilate, he says. Certainly, he says, there's no Isser in davening in such a shul. He goes on. L'Chathila certainly says it should be fixed. You should have Bima Bamsa. That's the minute he says, and you should do it. And uh, he says, certainly it should be followed. And moreover, he says, if, if there are two shuls, this is very interesting. I, I have not known this. Even Rosh says, if there are two shuls, and one of them has bima be'emsa, and one of them has bima minatzad, you should, you should uh, align yourself with the shul that has bima be'emsa, because that's the proper way to build a shul, to roi v'hagen. Again, all else being equal, that's true. Whether that's true if one shul, the davening is, is better, if it's slower, if you can have more kavan in the other shul, if, uh, if that's where you learn Torah, if it saves you time. I, I don't know how all those factors play into this, but at least all else being equal, or Moshe held that if a person has a choice of two shuls, he, it's important enough that, that this is a criterion to choose a shul by, a shul that is designed properly with bima be'emza. But nevertheless, Ramosha says, it's not, where it's not part of the great struggle against the reform, it's not that critical, it's not a reason to not daven in the shul at all, because at the end of the day, it's the right thing to do, it's something that goes back to the, to the that goes, it's an, it's an ancient minig of Kal Yisrael, but it's not that important, it's not that fundamental and central to the, to the structure of a shul, that it would that it would be prohibited meikra din to daven there if the halacha if the shul is not in compliance with with that rule.